All right, give me the bag. I'm gonna, so I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my drop. Dungeon drop. Drop, drop till you drop. Drop, drop, drop never drop. stop. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we delve depths dodging dreadful dragons in Dungeon Drop. Next up, we dive down during Dope Ducket Dredging in Deep Blue. And lastly, we dare delighting deities in Azuma. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers. Hi, I'm Matt Povolaitis, digging down into the depth of the deepest games. I'm Mike Rainier, and apparently it's D-Day. <laughs> and today, everybody, while Evan is on the road doing live shows with his other wildly popular podcast, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, we have a special guest panelist. Chris Whitpan from the wildly popular Game All Night, the premier late night board game talk show. Hi, Chris. Hi, how's everyone doing tonight? Swell. <laughs> very good, very it's a, good. It's a nice day for a podcast. Chris, we are super excited to have you here, and we know that your season three of Game All Night has just dropped this week. How is it going? Uh, so far, so good. You know, it's um, when you do a late night board game talk show, I think it's important that you <laughs> constantly keep it fresh and you update it. So this year, I uh, I ditched the desk, what? which is a, a big deal. It's a big deal. <laughs> How are you feeling about that? It's a completely different position. I have to wear pants now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you must feel so naked, but yet you have to wear more clothes. <laughs> I do. I do. It's, uh, you know, but it's funny. You didn't realize how big of a device that is for, you know, kind of... Mm -hmm. Getting between you and a camera, when you take that away, you, you lose a lot of fidget room and things. So it's taking some adjustment, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you're fully on display now for the world to see. Yeah, I saw it. It looks pretty good. I like the way you, you're, uh, you're all out there. It's more of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you feel like you're engaging the audience better without it? I do, I do. I think, um, you know, one of the things that's important is that, mm -hmm. you know, a guest can picture themselves on the couch having the conversation with us. So the more comfortable and the more casual I can make it, I think the more that goal will get achieved. That, that's really what kind of, you know, like the Graham Norton show and things like that were really kind of an influence for me to say, you know what, let's... Yeah, they just kind of... They have like facing chairs and stuff now, right? Instead of like <laughs> one person behind a desk looking all important. They're more like peers now. I, th I think it works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that that's kind of what I, I was really trying to do. And I, I, I think it works. I think it yeah, works. Yeah, it looks great. And you do a lot of fun bits on your show. Do you have anything planned for this year or any guests that you want to uh, talk about coming up? You know, the bits are always the hardest part. Because they take, it's amazing, you know, it's like 30 seconds and it will take you days to get it done. Uh, it's, mm. I, I love doing them. I love doing the comedy stuff, but it's, uh, you know, hats off to like Paula <laughs> Deming and stuff because it is so much work. I struggle to make my ideas become reality. I have a few thoughts of bits I'd like to do uh, and guests I'd like to get. Uh, I reached out to... 
um, like shut up and sit down. I saw them at PAX. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, we did too. We went on right after them. Oh, that was tough. <laughs> so we were telling them to clear the stage. We're like, hurry up, guys. We're up next. <laughs> nice. Hey, just be glad you got the big stage. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Last year I did a show and we were opposite them. Oh, so oh no. It was not well attended. <laughs> Man. But I, I, I would love to do one of these years. I'm going to submit that I, I want to do a like a full on late night show up there on the stage. Like I want to get a comedian. Um, I want to have oh, awesome. like two guests come sit down on the couch. Yeah, like, I want to we'll make it like legit. Yeah, but <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so much work. <laughs> <laughs> it always is. At least you don't have like three other clowns to deal with. It's just you. So, <laughs> oh, I, I, I have a button monkey. I do. So I know that your show is associated with Punchboard Media. Can you tell us a little bit about the group? So Punchboard Media is kind of this large conglomerate of uh, all kinds of pun- of board game media, right? Like, so there's people who are doing written works. There's people who's doing audio and video, all kinds of things. And it's, uh, it's a great uh, community of podcasts and shows and the other thing is is there's not like huge competing things like if they need a show for 18xx they bring in a show if they need a show for something else they'll bring that in so what's really cool is that there's a little bit of something for everybody in this one-stop shop so that's cool yeah and then the one group just curates the whole thing for their own use like yeah, exactly. Like we pretty much take care of it ourselves. We post our own shows. Uh, it's it's kind of like a a network, but that doesn't have any of that overhead, right? Like it's we're not just making money for the guy at the top. We're not making money yeah. for them. It's it's literally just a you know ground source community based thing. Yeah, uh, down and, with the man. <laughs> yeah, down with the man. No. <laughs> So they can find the whole community at punchboardmedia.com, including your show, and you've got your own place for, for them to... Where can they find just your show? Uh, well, the easiest way is you can find me everywhere as Game All Night Show, and that's night spelled mm-hmm. N-I-T-E. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. You can find me at gameallnightshow.com and, you know, the usual haunts <laughs> around the internet. <laughs> right, right. Yes. <laughs> Google will find you. Oh yeah, I'm I'm it, it's funny how blatantly obvious I am when people go searching me like for job interviews and things. I <laughs> God only knows what they're thinking. <laughs> Our first game up this week is Dungeon Drop, designed by Scott R. Smith. Published by Phase Shift Games in 2020, number of players one to four, ages eight and up. Playtime, 20 minutes. Okay, when we spotted this game by the dwindling torchlight at the end of the Bard's Tale hallway, what were our first thoughts? Ed? Okay, so I'm going to take all the cube and just drop them on the table? Yeah, I'm going to be picking a few of these off the floor. Mike? The cats are going to go absolutely nuts for this game. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> you know, I think they found another use for all those cubes from Terraforming Mars. and uh, finally dungeons are getting their epic due as they now drop just like mics and albums but before we drop this review on you mike tell us how it's played 
In Dungeon Drop, players are randomly assigned two cards to form their adventurer. One for their race and the other for their class, each providing a special ability. Then they delve into a dungeon created by dropping a massive array of cubes representing monsters, loot, and even the dungeon itself. Each round, after dropping three new cubes on the board, they choose a triangle of three pillar cubes to create a room. Then grab the loot and fight the monsters inside. The exploration ends after three rounds and the player with the most loot wins. <laughs> All that loot. loot. It's so much loot everywhere. Like when you drop it, it's just bouncing all over the place, flying off the table. Uh, so frenetic. Oh, no. Another gold hit the floor. Yeah, poor Ed. A- another game that should be sponsored by Game Toppers, where the cubes will not run all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, anybody who sells replacement cubes should be all about promoting this game. I think I gave Ed the twitches when I played this game because my drops were always floor messy. Oh. <laughs> and I was knocking stuff around. So in this game, uh, the, the components are amazing. There are so many little doodads in this box that end up <laughs> as treasure dropped on the table. It is the coolest looking game. And the inside and the outside of the box have fabulous art on it. And the box, just so we know, it's just a cube, a rather smallest cube, slightly larger than, say, a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The whole, the whole game fits in that little space. Um, and it looks like, when you're looking down on it, it looks like you're looking at an overhead view of a room of a dungeon. So I thought that was pretty cute. I love how all the cubes are, like, they're printed, right? They could just use, yeah. use mm-hmm. regular color cubes and accomplish the same goal. But mm-hmm. no... We, we have little skulls, we have the keys, <laughs> we have the chest. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like a roll and write, but with every single die imaginable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and different sizes and shapes and colors. It just like looks like a box of candy, like yeah. Skittles. Yeah, you didn't have me sold, but I, I'm, I'm coming around. I'm coming around. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things I know Evan would have loved is the chest cubes that are a type of treasure you can get in there are actually D6s that at the end you roll to see how valuable the chest is. Mm-hmm. So you roll the chest itself right. to check its value. But you can't unlock that chest unless you get a key. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to have synergy in some of your treasures. Find a box and a key. Yeah. People that know me know that when I see the random thing like that, I always dread it. And, and my worst fears came true when I got a treasure chest and a key and I was all excited and I rolled a one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> always. I had so much trouble with this game because of how you pick your rooms. So, Oh, boy. When it took you're... you like an hour to pick a room. <laughs> I know. I'm usually the fastest player, right? I'm just like, hurry up, Ed. Hurry up, Mike. Come on. Take your turn. <laughs> yeah. Take your turn. But in this game, I just couldn't get my head around how the rooms work because you have to choose three pillars and inside of those pillars is the room. So everything inside the three pillars you choose, you're going to get that treasure. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. choosing the pillars was so hard and, and three pillars makes a triangle. So everything Mm -hmm. gets so narrow. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, you, especially you had a character that had a special ability that can use one monster as a pillar. They like intimidated them to use them as a Mm -hmm. pillar. And, and that made you have even more choices to, of which like room segment you're going to segment off. Oh yeah. It was like, wow, as if you needed more choices. It might have been the first game we've ever played where I had analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah. yeah my rare. turn, the drum fingers. Ha, 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 ha. 
the pillars are just like a gray cube and they're rolled randomly just along with everything else. So you could get like, you know, five pillars real close to each other and not have anything inside of them or have them spread wildly throughout the board and make a giant triangle. But it really depends what's inside that triangle because there's monsters mixed in there too. And you'll just take damage for whatever monsters that you cordon off with it. Because you got to take everything in that room and the monsters do damage. So you can't take a room that's going to do enough damage to kill you. Mm-hmm. There's trolls, which are slightly bigger monsters. They're bigger cubes, which is cool. Yes, I like that there were different sizes for the monsters. Yeah, the dragon's a big, giant red cube, and he does eight points of damage, so you're dead. No matter what character you're playing, you're dead if you get the dragon in there. Unless you have a magic shield. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> for anybody who's played like those like war games with all the little figs and stuff, we had like the little measuring sticks out so we could like make the line between the cubes and... It was just cool to look at us all like holding these like long matchsticks over the table to make our little yeah. triangles out. Another popular uh, tool is just a string. I clearly had no experience with the, or very little experience <laughs> with war gaming sticks because I'm knocking things all over oh, the place yeah. with Man. these sticks. She just so kept like picking up the cubes off the doing? table. Knocking that stuff all over the place. Come on. <laughs> yeah, every turn, Celeste is like, what about this cube? And she's like, pick it up off the table and move it. I'm like, no, don't touch it. <laughs> you can play uh, with the candy later. Yes. eat the. Oh, yeah. Evan is the guy who, when he sees a game, he always thinks of it as candy. And this game, you know, must have been just a big tease for him. Yeah, but this is also kind of the somebody mixing M&Ms with Skittles because there's a little bit of everything in here that you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, it's a big mess. It's like that popcorn that has like M&Ms and like other candies mixed into it too. That's my kind of trail mix, by the way. Oh, <laughs> the junk food trail mix? I love that. Exactly. <laughs> One of the cool elements is just where they start you off. Well, you have to kick a random race and a random class and it gives you special ability with each one it kind of reminds me a little bit of small world Mm -hmm. except for this has a lot more like of a physical element to it like because some of the special abilities you get are to like flick a cube or pick up cubes and and splash them back onto the table again and there's a, a bunch of different variations of that sort of thing for each race and class combo. It just sets you up for role playing, right? Mm. So you, <laughs> you, you've I played the stone skin monster the second round, and the stone skin monster's special ability, the stonekin, is to smash a monster into a treasure. And if you can smash that monster, which is represented by flicking, mm. mm-hmm. which is one of the mechanisms in the game. If you can flick a monster into a treasure, you can get it. That's like a bonus treasure. So. <laughs> yeah, I had a, uh, a, my combo was like a, uh, a cleric was my class and I was some kind of snake race. The sleth. <laughs> the sleth. She had the constrictor uh, ability, which let me take all the cubes from that were outside of the borders of the dungeon, which means basically the furthest out gray cubes. I could just scoop them back up and pour them back into the dungeon again. I like how the, when we got a generic option, the dwarf warrior, everybody went, no, I can't take a generic <laughs> yeah. thing. That's too type bad. <laughs> yeah. They do have a lot of like combos that could sound like generic, but then there's a whole bunch of different wild races out there that are pretty cool too. And props for the mm. graphic design. I think they did a great job, like how yeah. the cards come together, the way it looks, and how easy it is to read. Like it's enough where... It brings the fun along, but it also kind of gets out of the way, which I think that's hard to get 
in games these days sometimes. It's a, a really delicate balance. And I think they, they struck it pretty well too. And just how big and bold, like the words on your card were and how simple, like understanding what the role of your character was. It was just really nice and simple and great. Yeah. Even some faster games take forever to sort of understand before you can play them. And this game doesn't have any of that. So you can get right into this box. Now we played twice through because we played the first time Every man for himself. And the second time we played in the cooperative mode. Heroic teamwork game mode. (laughs) Quote unquote cooperative. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the teamwork is an air quote, by the way. It is because it's not quite teamwork, but it keeps everybody involved every turn, even when it's not your turn, because it's a rush to join the room. Mm -hmm. So you can place your character where you think the other person is going to pick their room. And if you're inside the room, you actually get a point towards the teamwork goal. Yeah, so you get victory points. Yeah. yeah. Uh, While it's everybody else's turn, everybody's scrambling to place their piece where they think the person is going to put a room. And you can keep placing until the person, like, starts building his room. And we kind of had to make a a rule that the person has to say a specific phrase when they're set on where their room's going to be so that after that phrase gets said, nobody can place anymore. Because there wasn't really a hard and fast rule in the book as to when to stop moving your character around. So naturally, there was a lot of yelling, hold on, you, you this is too late. You joined too late. <laughs> the cool part about that, too, is it has a really cool psychological aspect to it where you're kind of like trying to talk somebody into where the good room is so you'll be in it. Like, oh, if you go through these three pillars, you know, there's a lot of cubes in here, not too many monsters. And then you just place your guy there to like show him where the room's going to be. And you can try to negotiate with them. Hey, if you go here, you're going to get like gold and you can stuff for that one troll. It's worth two points too, right? <laughs> and everybody gets a secret goal. So they're going to get a bonus for their victory points that no one else knows about. Mm-hmm. It mostly involves the different colored gem ones, which are the clear stones on the board and gives them different, assigns them different point values. And also sometimes a, a secondary part of the goal, which would be to, uh, I don't know, what was one of the secondary goals, Ed, do you remember? Oh, I mean, for example, once they say small monsters score one point each for you. Or something would say, like, your chest score plus three points. One of Celeste's favorite little things in the game. There are your own personal goals and quests that no one else knows about. I love custom victory points. (laughs) Yeah, and I can see that they can just... The system is there. They can just do whatever they want with this thing, right? Like, just add different cubes. You could throw gems in there, like... You could throw marbles in there just to be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He never... <laughs> Ed would have a brain hemorrhage. Yeah, it'd be like the boulder from Raiders of the Lost Ark just rolling around, <laughs> taking out things. You got to make sure you take a level out for your table before you start the game, too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They actually already did a little bit of what you're saying is that they, they assigned different meanings to some of the cubes. Like, you can play a card into the game, which makes... The purple cubes turn into different kinds of potions or random effects or whatever. Right. Nice. There's a gelatinous cube that sucks in the nearest treasure. <laughs> yep. So they get stacked. There has to be a gelatinous cube. There has to be. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, if you're playing a dungeon delve, you need a gelatinous cube. It wouldn't even make sense without it. Yeah, we ended up singing a little gelatinous cube song. Oh, yeah. Oh, gelatinous yeah. cube. Gelatinous, gelatinous cube. cube. He's a wiggly and jiggly and giggly dude. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on a little further than I think. I don't remember. Yet. How did you not make the Kickstarter page? That's what right. I want. <laughs> right. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury a dungeon drop. Ed? 
The cute art and the fun theme make this an easy game to drop about any group of friends. So I'll dig this up as a light strategy game. Mike? The endless, almost infinite replayability and my love for killer combos will definitely get me to play this again. So dig it up. Even though I gave Ed a permanent tick with my floor scattering drops, I loved the playfulness of this game. So I'll borrow it from the WGF library again. And don't worry, Ed, you'll get most of the pieces. (laughs) Nice. Dig it up. Mike, where can you find this game? The backers have already started getting their games, and this should drop into retail stores in March for about 22 bucks. If you have thoughts about Dungeon Drop, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Deep Blue, designed by Asger Harding Grenrud and Daniel Skjold Peterson, published by Days of Wonder in 2019, number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up, playtime 45 minutes. Okay, when we brushed the seaweed away and pried the rusty lock off this game, what were our first thoughts? Mike? I've always wanted to explore underwater ruins, but the ocean is terrifying. Ed? Push your luck while the group dies for treasure? I wonder if I'll go too deep. Club, club. <laughs> Chris? Each year, Days of Wonder has to bring out their, their blockbuster game. Can Deep Blue live up to the hype this year? Mm. Mm. The cover boasts luscious shades of blue, the objective favorite color of humanity, and each uh-huh. player gets their own treasure box. So, Chris, this game is in it to win it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But before we dive in, I know that's low-hanging fruit, but I did it anyway. (laughs) It works. Mike, tell us how it's played. In deep blue, you are intrepid treasure hunters diving into the watery depths for loot. Each turn, players will strive to collect the right crew of divers, sailors, and archaeologists to ensure a successful dive, or race to wreck sites to claim the best dive spots and scout the seas to discover new wrecks. The game ends when four sunken city tiles have been found and explored. The player with the most wealth wins. I mean, certainly you're the guy with the most treasure wins, right? It's- I mean, obviously. Yeah. It's- <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Luscious loot. Mm. And they give you a treasure chest to put it in. Each person gets their own. Yeah, they definitely have me with that little box, and I have a po- bunch of them in there, one for every player. That reminds me of uh, the Godfather game that we played with a little suitcase. <laughs> right. But it is a loot case. My son was very disappointed that the chest was not in perfect condition. And I'm like, dude, it's a sunken treasure chest. It's got to look all busted up. <laughs> yeah, let me bury you in the sea for 100 years and see how you look. <laughs> That's nice to say to your son. <laughs> <laughs> That's quality parenting right there. I didn't play this game with you guys, but I see that there's like some kind of a radar situation on the board. What's that all about? That's just a place to put your sunken city tiles. And once you get all four sunken city tiles, the game ends. So you're going to sail around with your little boats. And I loved movement in this game. I just loved it. It just seemed really well balanced here. You have to spend cards to move. And it's a choice. You get one action per turn. So if you move, that's it. And I love that you get two boats. So you can move in two different directions. And that felt great. Can you only move with cards? Or is there like a default movement kind of action you could take? Nope, you only move with cards. The cards dictate everything you can do in a turn. That can be tough sometimes. You're going to get a hand of cards, and you're going to have to use them for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to use them for your money at the beginning. Later on, you'll get some money, that treasure loot that you can use instead. But money, movement, 
bonuses toward dives and they're a mix of crew members and they're pretty <laughs> much all crew members representatively, but a couple of the basic default cards you get at the beginning sort of represent your ship. Oh, that's right. Cool. And they give you different bonuses, like they, they either help you move faster or let you die better or, or find stuff better or hire other crew better. Or protect you. Do they kind of like stay on the table as permanent things or do you have to like each round get new sailors and crews and... It's kind of a deck building game. So not only is it a push your luck when you dive, you're trying to build your hand or deck of cards. Everybody starts off with a similar set of cards, but then you can hire new crew members. And one of the actions you can do on your turn is to take all the cards you have already played and put them back in your hand. But that's your whole turn. So you're going to kind of want to play out your hand from turn to turn. And then every time you scoop, you're kind of missing an action. I see. But it's not like, I mean, it's deck building, but you're not randomly drawing cards each turn. You have all the cards available to you. All the cards are in your hand and you get to choose when to play them. That's cool. And you're allowed to purchase cards as you go, right? Love that. It is great. And they slide down the board. So if they Mm -hmm. get cheaper as people don't pick them. So Chris, This Mm -hmm. is one of those flip the tile over and discover games, like Forbidden Island a little bit, that kind of thing. How do you like those games? So (laughs) I I struggle. I struggle. I love push your luck, right? Yeah. Like I, the can't stop is great and and things that are pure push your luck. I, I truly enjoy. But when it's, you know, part of a game that lasts about an hour or so, I I can really struggle because you're you're really at the mercy of whatever happens. And <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not super I don't like randomness in my games. That's not me at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at, at a point <laughs> I I struggle. Yeah. So let me tell you how this game mitigates that a little yeah. bit and maybe that'll put your mind at ease. The randomness only comes in during the treasure hunt, which seems like the most appropriate place for randomness. Yeah. And other people get to jump on board if they can race to your dive in time. So anytime you choose to push your luck, other people can choose to do it along with you, which I think <laughs> helps in game I balance. Love that. If you're close enough to their islands, to or rather to their dive site, you can reach them in time and sort of hop on board. And then there's protections from the randomness. So you, if you don't care for randomness that much, you can take cards that will protect you from the bad things that will happen, and you will choose to spend your resources on that. And the pusher luck is nicely balanced in that there's dark cubes in there that are going to mess you up in that bag, and like you're going to run out of oxygen, or you're going to hit up a monster or something. And it gives wow. you enough time to really make a choice. Do I want to continue or not? So there's a measure of things where you can kind of like estimate what you're your chances are of something bad happening? Well, the diving board tells you the number of bad stuff that's in the bag. So kind of like Quacks at Quedlinburg, there's a pick bag. So you get oh, to pick yeah. these gems out of a bag. And each time you pick a gem out of it, it could be treasure, or it could be, oh, you're running out of oxygen, or it could be you have an encounter. Oh, I like that mechanic. And the card for the dive tile had three spots to put a chip on it. And each chip gives you a special ability. So I was like, ooh, I can have one extra ear. Or I can fight off one extra monster. Or gold is more valuable. That's where I'd go, of course. <laughs> I, I like to increase the risk and increase the reward. Yeah. Gold. <laughs> yeah, protections, meh. I'll just draw better. Makes sense. 
And just like those kind of pick bags, it's like, oh, there's only like two things in there that's going to ruin my day, so I can pick another one. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That is the trap of uh, of any kind of press your luck game, which I fall into. Straight up greed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just one more chip. It'll never hurt you. <laughs> I mean, I get that way. Even if there's like three chips in the bag and one of them's bad, I'm like, yeah, but my odds are way in my favor. Like, <laughs> you know. I don't even do it for greed. I do it for the thrill of the risk. <laughs> yeah. And I went broke uh, hard last night when I played with my son. <laughs> like, hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could be in the right mood for uh, screwing yourself really bad. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> yep, me too. I, uh, honestly, like, I just either win epically or just fail miserably, like, at these games. There's no middle ground, like, playing it safe for me in a, in a press your luck. A cool factor is that the leave diver gets to decide if we press on or not. <laughs> and he might have hidden cards that allow him to mitigate the danger so he can go really deep. And you're like, where are you going so deep? I don't have any more protection. <laughs> Reminds me a little bit of like uh, Celestia in that regard, right? Yep. But you're depending on somebody else to make those kind of decisions for you, which I right. totally despise, but actually love to like <laughs> see it unfold. Yeah, because if you jump off, you get to keep what you got so far, but no. <laughs> yeah, you, you see them succeed wildly after you jump off the ship. No way. I have to stay for the ride. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had a little bit of trouble with the rule book. All right. So I am not a person who usually has to read the rules from the book, right? I'll usually check a how to play video or I'll listen to Ed drone on about the rules and then just mm-hmm. ask him questions while we're playing. That's how you describe Ed's reading of the rules droning on. <laughs> you can tell what kind of respect you have for it, that. It, it's fine. It's fine. It's, 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 all, it's all true. <laughs> it's how I describe anybody reading rules, to be honest. It's just my experience with rules. But in this game, last night, I was uh, sifting through the rule book to make sure I had everything right. And I have to say, it's not the world's most intuitive rule book. Um, it's lovely to look at. It has some great titling, but I found that some of the rules clarifications were very deeply buried in a sea of unnecessary words. So I think this the rule book could have benefited from an edit pass just to shave off superfluous wording. I wonder if it was originally written in a different language. Yeah, it might uh, be a translation issue. Because like you said, it's well illustrated. And then I was able to get most of the game just looking at the illustration, but I was trying to look for the little details. Mm. And it took a lot of reading to make sure that I, I really got the rule, even though it's simple. Exactly. I had to read like a couple paragraphs just to say, oh yeah, it really just is that simple. Well, I think that's a that's a Days of Wonder thing, right? Like they're trying to write this for very, very, very new players. And I think sometimes they try to get a little verbose instead of trying to be concise. And I think that right. that can really be, that that's a fine line to walk, right? It can totally backfire, yeah. Yeah, because if you're too concise, now somebody, well, what is the word? is mean then <laughs> i would recommend doing a good how to play video instead like see if there's a good how to play video on there yeah a lot of times with the simpler games like this with a gameplay video it it illustrates it so quickly like in, and it becomes really intuitive just to see the parts moving around the board and the component of the game is great i mean it starts off with a cloth bag where all the gems are getting pulled out of which is fun the gems feel great they're shiny yeah, shiny and hopelessly angled, so there's no way you could try to imagine you know what you're getting out of there because they're all shaped very similarly and they're mm. tactically confusing, right? So when you're pulling them out... <laughs> tactically confusing. <laughs> yes, I never heard yes. that term before. 
<laughs> so you're like, oh, I don't know what this is. Just pull it out. And the treasure chests are great. They're they're big enough to fit all your loot in. The boats look like little reef runners, which is where you are. You're searching the reef. Everything is nice and thick. I guess, Chris, Days of Wonder is uh, known for their components. Absolutely. I mean, if they do one game a year, even if you don't like the game, the game is always gorgeous and over-the-top productions, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. I would love an upgrade with metal coins. You don't have a set yourself just laying around now? Uh, Let's see. We have the ones from Rise of Laputia. Yeah, Laputia. That's a good idea, actually, bringing it in from another game. I actually got a set from uh, Merkaibo this year that would probably be perfect for this because they're big and chunky. and Are they doubloon-like? Yeah, they have that doubloony look. Yeah, doubloony. Yeah. <laughs> they're doubloonies and doubloonies? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Mike likes making up names for money. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. The moon kazoons. Dollary dudes. Dollary dudes. Is that like a D with like three like hex lines drawn through it or something? <laughs> That's the symbol for exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's like almost like the Diablo 3 logo, dollar dues. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Deep Blue. Ed? This game has a clever mix of moving parts to entice you to strike out on your own while also racing to keep up with the others so you can join in on their dive. Dig up this treasure from the deep. It does have impressive pacing and game balance, especially for such a mix of mechanics. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find this game? Deep Blue is available at local game stores and online. Retail for about 50 bucks. If you have thoughts about Deep Blue, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our last game up this week is Azuma, published by Parker Brothers in 1992. Number of players, three to six, ages eight and up, playtime, 30 minutes. Okay, when we exhumed this game from the Parker Brothers ossuary, what were our first thoughts? Mike? Okay, I'm bracing for knuckle-busting disappointment. (laughs) Ed? So what's with the giant plastic baton? Is this a relay race? Chris? You know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I was kind of sad I didn't miss the other ones. This one, I'm kind of glad I missed this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got the right idea. You, you know you're in for a delightfully awesome game when the picture that is taken on Board Game Geek is on carpet. Oh. That just kind of tells <laughs> yep. you right there. It's just old school constructor grade carpet. so azuma is an ancient name for eastern japan but this game looks vaguely aztec and to add to the confusion the game components look like big fake flashlights what is going on i was very confusing (laughs) but before we try to shed some light on this game mike tell us how it's played in azuma Players are dealt a hand of seven cards and must pass cards one at a time to their neighbor to the left until a player gets a winning hand, which is one set of four and one set of three matching cards, or three bombs. When a player has a winning hand, they quietly grab a colored stick, and the other players must rush to grab the remaining sticks. Points are scored according to who got which sticks. After three rounds, the player with the highest score wins. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow yeah i mean yeah. if you could see this art right now and you should check out the website it is the wackest 80s art it looks like those like 80s yeah. music videos where there's like hand drawn like take on me but really terrible yeah. and the, the back of the box had the classic 
people having fun playing the game picture. Yay! Yeah, the, the multicultural, completely socially acceptable picture on the back. Yeah, that's... Yeah, they, they were trying. It looked like they were trying. They were really trying. There's no possible way anybody could have that much fun no. playing. You, you know what? I, I think I figured it out. This, this game is the basis for the shake weight. Like, that's where it came oh from. Oh, my yes. God, you're that's right. That's where it came from. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they have mini shake weights in their hands, and they look just as happy as the people on the shake weight commercial, too. <laughs> right? <laughs> look at that. I got it. We tried to recreate this picture. How'd it come out, Celeste? Yeah, well, you can you can check it out on Instagram. It's on our feed. <laughs> oh, so. nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> we love to recreate the backs of these boxes when they're so insanely happy. That, that's a lot of happy right there. That's like, <laughs> like we just got back from Dairy Queen happy there. I eat my cookie puss. I'm good to go. <laughs> it's Elio's Pizza Day in school happy. <laughs> oh, you went to a fancy school. You had names. <laughs> well, we called it Elio's. It was some knockoff brand, of course. Yeah, I was talking about the art on the cards, too, though. Like, one is just a dollar sign. <laughs> it's like Clippy a- from Microsoft would be embarrassed to put this art. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> he would have been like, what? They, they just took random stuff. Yeah, a phone, a guitar. This is absolutely vaguely Aztec. It is intentionally vaguely Aztec on the cover. And you can double check that because in Europe, yes, there are European versions of this game. <laughs> in Europe, the game is straight up marketed as an Aztec game. So in France, the game is called Zuma, which is actually an Aztec word for an angry god, right? The Lord frowns in anger is what Zuma means. Azuma, Azuma means nothing. So I don't know why in America it was called Azuma. <laughs> Maybe Zuma was taken. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because they wanted to be alphabetically first instead of alphabetically last. Yeah, yeah they- it definitely was some bonehead marketing decision like Chris or Ed <laughs> recommend there. And it is like, Le jeu Aztec de ruse et de reflexe. Which means Zuma, the Aztec game of cunning and reflex. Is this trying to be like the, the predecessor to Jungle Speed? Is that is that really what they're trying to do here? Yeah, but way worse. <laughs> Without the bloody fingernails at the end. <laughs> yeah, well, you probably could still get bloody knuckles in this. And that's one of the things I hate about games like this in general. But this one in particular is like, mm-hmm. you know, somebody grabs the baton and then you have to grab one, too. And so everybody's reaching for the same thing. And, of course, you're going to smash your knuckles together and or get annoyed or you both grabbed it and then you're fighting over it. I don't know. It's just not. <laughs> it has a version of musical shares there because one person's yeah. not going to get a stick. And then you only get points for the color of the stick that you grab. So maybe you really need yellow point in order to move on. So you're trying to keep a Hawkeye on that yellow. Yeah, but it's basically a cheesier version of spoons. Okay. (laughs) Or a dressed up version of spoons, right? It's like totally unnecessary. It's both cheesier and dressed up somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in the card game, it's just like some elements of rummy. Yeah, the card, it's, it's, is this, guys, is this card drafting? Sort of. I mean, you are drafting one card to your left every turn or every, Hmm. you know, whatever interval. (laughs) The mechanic of taking the baton is almost cool. Almost Hmm. in that you, the person whose turn it is, does get to place the batons on spots on this tiny little board that they have. So you could strategically place batons based on who needs them, right? I'm going to place the one I need next to me, but I'm going to place the one Ed needs far away from him. The scoring almost is cool in that way. Well, it kind of was 
as a designer, like my designer hat was on when I saw that element of it where you get to choose the positioning of the sticks before you start the round was kind of inspirational to me as a game mechanic that could be used in another game where you strategically position stuff on the board each turn to your own advantage. That that was kind of cool. I, I'll give them that. Yeah, if the board was a little bit bigger, it could have been better, but it all had to fit in this square box. And I guess mm-hmm. Parker Brothers didn't want to bother folding the board. That cost money. <laughs> the clip art was free. The cards were flimsy. Like, you know. This is where I draw the line. This art is <laughs> so infuriating. <laughs> I mean, what does any of it have to do with Aztec? Exactly. Or anything. <laughs> or anything. For Wait, you don't think the Aztecs drove like a 65 Corvette? You have a problem with that? <laughs> <laughs> or had a lover boy guitar? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. that guitar is totally... Or the bulldog. The bulldog's great. I love the bulldog. <laughs> the bulldog's fantastic. I, there's a telephone partially off the hook with some like. That's you know. this game is off the hook. Yeah, this game is off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> and there is one image that is vaguely Aztec. That's the eyeball. Right. Right. Why? Just why? They could have used all symbols like that that are like mysterious looking or something, you know. Like, but they mm-hmm. don't even have a theme within their themselves. It's almost like they used the card from another game that didn't really bother to print. <laughs> like the Parker Brothers Overstock. Oh no! It's a bunch of designers like potential clip art they want to use for all whole bunch of different games and just slapped it together in this one. Yep, I I bet you. I hate to even say that something was neat in this component because, look, this is some chintzy componentry. The plastic batons were so cheesy. They were light as air. You had to put the stickers on yourself, which is fine, (laughs) but come on, Parker Brothers. I tell you what, though, if you look at the French edition, you got ripped off. Instead of being a just literally a cylinder that looks like a flashlight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the French ones are... How how do this is a family friendly show? So I'm going to try to like a microphone. Yeah. There you go, <laughs> like an upside friendly. down microphone. I think that is, but but it's yeah. like you know, Mister Microphone. So maybe they had leftover molds um. from Mister Microphones back in the day. Oh snap! And then flipped it upside down. But it's supposed to be like a totem pole, right? But you know, totem mm-hmm. poles aren't Aztec either. So let's look. This yeah. is just a cultural <laughs> appropriation nightmare is really what this yeah, game is, is. because even when they, the cultural it, shuffle it really is. It's just, it's yeah, it's not, no, it's Polynesian now. Oh wait, no, it's going to be Aztec. Let's just, let's just use them all. It's just so lazy. It's actually so jumbled that it actually doesn't end up being cultural appropriation <laughs> just because it's such a mess. You actually have to have a culture to appropriate is what you're saying is like, they, they have no idea. Right. (laughs) At least the Brady Bunch tried when they went to Hawaii. Okay. At least they tried. Greatest episode. I I even hate to do this, but (laughs) I did. There was actually a component I liked in this game, and that was the scorecard and the method of scoring because you could draw on it and and it felt like Iron Dragon, which is one of the games that I really enjoy just because you can draw straight on the board. You could use a crayon, a dry erase, a wet erase, and anything would come off this little board that was shiny, a card. Mm -hmm. And you did have to get all the colors you needed for the batons. If you missed out on the color baton you needed, you just missed getting that score. It would have been nice to have a secondary way to score other than three of a kind and four of another. Like if you got three pairs, at least you get one point or some some other way to score this game other than that. Because then you you only got either one point Mm -hmm. if you got a grab a color you needed. Two points if they had the winning hand, three points 
if they managed to get a bomb. Bombs. Yep, all three bombs. And, and that's pretty much it. The scoring is really simple. You know, Celeste, I'm noticing a theme with you. You seem to like the score pads a lot. <laughs> wow, you've been here for one day and you I, already know. I do like scoring. I, I don't know. Maybe it's an organizational sensibility. I don't know what it is. But I do pay attention to how things are scored. I come from Bridge, right? My my first love is Bridge. And Bridge has this arcane scoring style that has always enchanted me. Mm. <laughs> and I guess it, it, it stems from that in my youth and Bridge. Yeah, are you vulnerable? And, but is it vulnerable and doubled? Or is it... Uh... <laughs> yeah, is it vulnerable doubled? Yeah, and then you score above the line, you score <laughs> below the line. Yeah, as you guys say, the scoring is pretty lame in this game. Mm. And I'm not really defending so much the scoring as the cool board. <laughs> Yeah, you just wanted to write on it with a crayon, basically, and have a you yeah. know a wipe off surface. Yeah, sure. So you played the game for I don't know how long, and your takeaway was, "Ooh, I got to write on the board." <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which really means the game's over. So I'm excited that the game is over. <laughs> is the takeaway? Yeah. I, I one more thing I want to say about the rules. There was this way of drafting, like you passing only one card to your left, and you just keep doing it. And every time you put a card down. And get ready to pass it, you just say the word Azuma. So you just hear Azuma, Azuma. And <laughs> and they're telling you that you can do this at your own pace, which is a terrible thing to state in the rules. Boom! Because it's Azuma! 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 Yeah, that's a picture. <laughs> uh, well, you can hide it. I got bombs, so I get zero in my column. Oh, it's blank. Yeah, blank. You're right. You're blank, that's better. <laughs> like yeah play however you want that's not a good rule book <laughs> yeah azuma 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 wait wait i haven't finished the worst one yet what are you doing yeah well they told me i can go at my own pace so i just waited like about 45 seconds before i passed the card yeah just... meanwhile the guy <laughs> ahead of you has a queue of four cards waiting for him so he doesn't have a complete deck and then right. somebody mm-hmm. grabs a stick it's a mess it's a hot yeah. mess yeah. it's a big mess and that's the only card I thought was interesting about the game. The sneaky grab of the the baton, the first grab. It's like, wait, somebody took it. Ah! Oh, yeah. yeah. You're just all of a sudden people stop talking and, or doing anything. And you're like wondering what's going on. This is me, by the way, I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm I'm staring. I'm like, what is happening? Why is nothing moving? And, and all of a sudden I look up and no, all the sticks are gone. Great. <laughs> it can absolutely turn into a wrestling match because I saw Ed and Evan go for that stick at the same time. And Ed uh-huh. was not having it. <laughs> not having it when ed put his hand on there it was a hard yank i mean hard. they do have a solution for that though the supposedly the person whose hand is closest to the little ring at the top gets the stick but evan's hand will be closer to the ring if he can yank ed's hand away from it <laughs> <laughs> okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury azuma ed while the base mechanic is easy enough to follow, there just isn't enough to keep you in the game despite all the yelling and the sneaky grabs. Bury it. That is so generous, Ed. <laughs> Mike? The art was random and not in a really fun way, and the rules were really loose. Nah, not my thing. Bury it. If the confusing look of this game is not enough to put you off, the dull gameplay will be. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Back to the ossuary with you. Bury it. But leave the scoreboard on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you feel motivated to get this game, you can find it online uh, for anywhere from 13 to $25. And if you have thoughts about Azuma or the European version, Zuma, let us know. We are at Which Came First on Twitter. 
Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And if you turn one of those totems into a flashlight, I want to see Instagram pictures. <laughs> yeah, we'll just put a little LED in yeah. there. Yeah. And before we wrap, Chris Whitpan, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, this was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Chris Whitpan, the host of Game All Night, the premier late night board game show, which you can find all over the internet. All over. Just look for Game All Night Show, and that's night spelled N-I-T-E. And Chris, do you have any upcoming news to share with us? The upcoming news is not that exciting. I'm just waiting on uh, getting some guests on this this year is, you know, trying to make sure we have some good return guests from last year and uh, maybe revisit some of my favorite interviews from the past. Thanks again, Chris. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you'd like more content from us, including our exclusive patron-only podcast, Bonus Points! (laughs) You can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a rating, a review, a like, a heart, a shout-out, a retweet, a smiley face. (laughs) Talk about us at the local gaming store, down at the pet salon, at the Taco Bell. Every mention helps us grow. Happy gaming, explorers. Happy gaming. Azuma! Happy gaming. (laughs) Azuma! (laughs) 